This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Our immune system literally goes to war. And feeding the war effort requires huge amounts of energy. And if you're consuming energy in this war effort, quite frankly, your energy is sucked from your muscles, your energy is sucked from your brain, and those have to go on standby. So it's no wonder that most of us are fighting a fire of inflammation that we don't really feel but we know it's happening. So one of the things that's important in the book is fatigue or tiredness or you know, change in mood is actually one of the most important warning signs our body gives us that something's amiss and we shouldn't suck it up. We shouldn't say, oh, that's just modern life because if we don't fix this, it's the cause of everything bad that's gonna to happen to us going forward. I'm Doug Bopes personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and it's no secret that so many people are constantly feeling tired, fatigued, stressed, and burned out. And I would also say that along those lines, people are constantly looking for answers as to why they are feeling a certain way and cannot seem to get a grip on what to do. The typical culprits that come to mind for lack of energy can be things such as adrenal fatigue, thyroid function, being overwhelmed, and your age. But feeling consistently drained and tired can lead to things such as depression, anxiety, weight gain, poor immune function, stress, and even addiction. But what if I told you that what you have been told all along is wrong about why you are feeling chronically tired, burned out, and fatigued? What if I also told you that today's episode will help provide you with some of the answers that you've been looking for and also give you a path forward to master your energy so that you don't feel so exhausted all the time? My guest today is Dr. Stephen Gundry. He is one of the world's top cardiothoracic surgeons and a pioneer in nutrition, as well as the medical director at the International Heart and Lung Institute Center for Restorative Medicine. He has spent the last two decades studying the microbiome and now helps patients use diet nutrition as a key form of treatment. He is the author of many New York Times bestselling books, including The Plant Paradox and his new book, the Energy Paradox, What to Do When Your Get Up and Go Has Got Up and Gone, is set to be released tomorrow and is an incredible read, and I think you all will enjoy it as well. 
And we certainly take a deep dive into his latest book and the story behind why he wrote it, which I believe is something many will relate to. Dr. Gundry and I also cover what is the root cause of things like fatigue and burnout and what we can do about it so that we aren't feeling so tired all the time. He shares the role that inflammation plays into all of this and how it's related to gut health. He talks about the warning signs that something is off with your health and things you can do to boost your immunity and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Dr. Stephen Gundry to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Dr. Gundry, welcome to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Doug, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, I'm extremely excited to chat with you about so many things, and especially the notion of burnout, fatigue, um, just lack of energy, and where that all comes from, and why I think we've been told several lies, I guess, through the years to what's actually going on in our system when we're feeling tired or fatigued. But I guess I want to kind of lay some groundwork down to because, I mean, you were a cardiac surgeon, right, and worked on a lot of patients, obviously, with their hearts. And then you resigned. Am I correct? I quit my job as head of cardiac surgery at Loma Linda University after watching a guy clean out his coronary arteries uh, with a diet and supplements. And I call him Big Ed in all my books. So I actually resigned at the top of my career and set up uh, two institutes in Palm Springs and Santa Barbara, where I literally teach people how to eat to reverse whatever disease they have. And that was 21 years ago. And I uh, never looked back. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was kind of something where it was a, this massive event happened. And I think you got a little bit upset and irritated, which I think was also funny because that's what inspired your latest book. And what I was <laughs> yeah. wondering was like when you, when you got out of, when you shifted gears, was there any sense of, like, were you scared? Were you like, where's this going to go? Like, what were you, what was going through your mind at that time? For a heart surgeon to say, I'm going to teach people how to avoid heart surgery is, is a really stupid career move. Um, because, you know, even as a professor, um, you make a decent living during doing heart surgery or on a salary. Uh, but when you're teaching people how to eat, you actually don't make a lot of money. And we, you know, I asked my wife, I, I said, you know, are you good with this? And she said, well, you know, you got to do what you love and this is what you got to do. And we went, we went through actually some very hard times. Um, but uh, eventually you write a few bestsellers and you're back on your feet again. And, you know, and I really, I have my patients to thank. Uh, I have most of what I write about. Uh, I still see patients six days a week and on, uh, on the weekends. Uh, and I've got a full clinic this weekend. Um, and then the other day I'm at Gundry MD, my supplement company. And so I work seven days a week and I'm in my seventh decade. And I got news for you. You're not supposed to, you know, lose energy as you age. That's one of the biggest myths. Yeah. And we're going to get into that in just a second. And What's inspiring about you and your journey, there's a few things. Number one, the fact that you were at the top of your career, I'm sure you were doing very well financially. For, I mean, to some extent, you were obviously successful. I'm sure there was parts of you, though, that weren't fulfilled because you saw plenty of your patients getting better in the short term, but long term, not getting well. That's right? correct. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, as a heart surgeon, you basically said, uh, you know, I'll see you in five to seven years and we'll do this again. Um, and, 
and I became very famous for reoperating on people. And, you know, eventually, because we were taught that, you know, you're just going to clog stuff up again. And then to find out that this isn't somebody's fate to re-clog up stuff if you can teach them how to eat and teach them how to change their lifestyle. It's, it's like, holy cow, you know, the light bulb went on and went, gosh, I don't have to re-operate on people. Yeah. And, and I think there's probably a lot of doctors or people in the medical community that probably were thinking the exact same thing you were thinking in that, man, like I'm giving my patients these medications, I'm giving my patients these, these quick orders, and they're not getting better. What do I do? What do I say? Should I change careers? Do I raise my hand? And I think a lot of it comes down to shame because you don't want to turn your back on the traditional medical community. And you also, it's, it's scary to, to leave a career where you've invested so much time, energy, and money into where you've now gotten to that point where you're, you're making all this money, you're helping all these people, but you actually made that leap, you know, 20 years ago. And then you made another leap. Like you write this New York Times bestselling book, The Plant Paradox, puts you on the map and really helps. I mean, I don't know. Last I checked, it has well over 10,000 reviews on Amazon. You're, you've given people a different perspective on how nutrition and affects their well-being, their heart, everything else. And, and the main thing, though, I think that, that drives all of this is, gut, is the gut health. I mean, you and I were chatting before how when my energy was feeling completely off as somebody who's a trainer who I thought was taking great care of myself, when I got some lab results back, I realized that my gut was a mess. And, and so I want to segue into your latest book, The Energy Paradox, which is fascinating because I think the word burnout, adrenal fatigue, uh, low energy is, is thrown around so much these days. And what I've, what I've read is that in your book, that if you don't address the root cause of all of this, it's going to continue to happen. It's going to lead to mental illness, like anxiety, depression, lack of focus, drug addiction, stuff like that. But I think what's really going to hit home with people is that it's this book stemmed from you having a conversation with a young girl that most people would think would be otherwise healthy, that at a very young age was experiencing massive fatigue that forced you to take a deeper look. So talk, talk a bit about what that's, what the, the story behind that and then how it inspired you to get started with the book. Yeah, I, I really didn't plan on writing this book. Uh, it wasn't in my schedule of, of book writing. And, uh, but I was driving uh, last year to uh, a PBS recording in Orange County where you know we raise money for public television. And it consists usually of an interview on the air of you know, why you should contribute to public television. And so I'm driving to Orange County in Southern California and the speakerphone comes on and says, uh, hi, this is you know, PBS and uh, Linda, who was supposed to interview you today, isn't coming in today. And I go, oh, dear, you know, something wrong. They said, no, no. She just called and said, you know, she's really been burned out and she just doesn't have it in her to come in today and do the interview. But don't worry, we'll get through this. And we did. But, you know, after that, I went, wow, you know, this is a young woman um, who didn't have it in her to you know, get out of her house and come in to do an interview. And that just, I kept playing that in my head. And I went, wow, you know, why is that? So I, when I first started my restorative medicine practice, um, about 50% of the people that I would see, uh, there's a code that you use for billing. And it's called fatigue and malaise. And about 50% of the people that I would see, um, we would code for fatigue and malaise. And 
I just, you know, I thought it was kind of part and parcel of this chronic disease process. And so when she, and the fatigue and malaise, quite frankly, when we taught people how to eat and take supplements uh, would go away. It's just part of the cure, if you will. So when, when this happened to me, I said, you know, I, this is interesting. I've really never thought of myself as an energy doctor. I've just seen energy return and fatigue go away uh, and anxiety and depression lift when we change the gut microbiome, among other things. So I said, what the heck? I'm going to write a book about this because it is an epidemic. We, we really have assumed that being tired or being depressed or being anxious is a part of COVID, is a part of modern life, and we have to suck it up and take another double espresso or eat an energy bar and then fall asleep. Yeah. And I think with that said, um, gosh, if, if you're not careful, you know, not paying attention to your energy and fatigue, as I alluded to a few minutes ago, can lead to all sorts of problems in my own experience. But I don't, when my energy is low, when I'm feeling fatigued, I notice I'm more irritable. Obviously I'm more tired. I'm not nearly as focused. My relationships suffer because I'm not as present. I can go on and on with these bad, um, these, these bad effects of it. And then they, they, these bad effects start to stack and they start to layer themselves. And you look back, you know, and it's like three, four months later, and you're like, how the heck did this all happen? Like, how have I procrastinated and put off these big projects for work or personal? How come I haven't been getting to the gym as much lately? How come I've been eating so poorly? And it all goes back to our energy. And I think the problem is, since most people in our country, I don't know the exact percentage, but I think the last time I checked was a couple of years ago, two thirds of Americans are either overweight or obese. So yeah. is that now right? Eight, it's now up to 80%. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So, and, but what we were talking we were talking before we recorded and unless you're otherwise healthy, like unless you've experienced what it's like to have optimal health and optimal energy eating, like you mentioned in the book, having these, these great protocols to take care of yourself. It's hard to tell when you're really suffering from fatigue. And I, as I said to you, and so many people, when they have a health transformation, they know what it's like to feel like shit. Right. And then they, they, they make it, they have a transformation. Like, wow, I can't believe I was feeling like that. And then when they, they start to feel off they're they're more self-aware because they just, it's not their normal anymore. And I yeah. think most people have been able to say, or most people now are saying, you know, it's okay. If I'm tired, I'm just getting older or I'm just not sleeping well, or I'll, I'll, I'll start over tomorrow. But what you found is that it's total BS and yep. that we're not meant to feel burned out. We're not meant to feel fatigued and there's a root cause of it all. So talk a bit about that. Yeah, um, you know, for, for the last maybe 10 years, uh, people have focused on chronic diseases like diabetes, like heart disease, um, like arthritis, like high blood pressure. And we've been talking about the root cause of all these chronic diseases are inflammation. And that became the buzzword. And I've got to stop eating inflammatory foods and I have to take anti-inflammatory supplements. And that's the problem. Well, what drove me uh, 21 years ago was, okay, we all know that inflammation is causing all this, but where is the inflammation coming from? And what's now clear, uh, thanks to... Um, researchers like Dr. Fasano from Harvard and my research and others, we now know that the inflammation 
chronic inflammation is coming from a leaky gut and a microbiome, that's the bugs in our gut, that's dysbiotic. We got a bunch of bad bugs and not a lot of good bugs. And strangely enough, uh, we can now measure leaky gut with blood tests very accurately. And if you had asked me 15 years ago what I thought about leaky gut, I would have told you it was pseudoscience and you know it's eh, a touchy-feely word. Now I can tell you that anyone with tiredness and fatigue or any chronic illness, any chronic disease process is from the inflammation that comes from leaky gut. And simplistically put, we have a one cell thick barrier between everything we swallow, all the bugs that live in our gut and the rest of us. And it's only one cell thick. And it's the surface area of a tennis court inside of us. And everybody looks down and goes, I don't see a tennis court in there. It, it turns out it's, we have roots that literally project from our intestines into the things we eat. On the other side of this barrier, 80% of all of our immune cells, our white blood cells are lined up against this barrier. Why? Because this is our border and this is where invasions come from. And so when particles like lectins, which I write a lot about, or pieces of bacteria or other foreign particles can get through these breaks that occur, our immune system literally goes to war. And feeding the war effort requires huge amounts of energy. And if you're consuming energy in this war effort, Quite frankly, your energy is sucked from your muscles, your energy is sucked from your brain, and those have to go on standby. So it's no wonder that most of us are fighting a fire of inflammation that we don't really feel, but we know it's happening. So one of the things that's important in the book is fatigue or tiredness or you know, change in mood is actually one of the most important warning signs our body gives us that something's amiss and we shouldn't suck it up. We shouldn't say, oh, that's just modern life because if we don't fix this, it's the cause of everything bad that's gonna to happen to us going forward. I mean, everything. Hippocrates, the father of medicine, 2,500 years ago said, all disease begins in the gut. I mean, he didn't have all these modern blood tests, but holy cow, what a prescient guy. I mean, all disease begins in the gut and he's right. You know, it's it's been uh, more popular recently about the connection between the gut microbiome and the brain, how the, the gut is the second brain. I think from what I understand, I think 90% of our dopamine and 50% of serotonin is produced, or maybe it's the other way around, 90% yeah, of our serotonin and 50% of our dopamine is produced in the gut. So if our gut health is off, it's no wonder people are going to be more anxious, more depressed, more irritated, not feel good about themselves. But people just want to put a Band-Aid on the problem instead of actually looking at what's causing the wound in the first place. They don't want to look at the fall. They want to look at just putting a Band-Aid on and saying, you know what, let's just move on and get to the next thing. And I think what tends to happen with people is they get into these, these toxic cycles and they don't, they don't even know how to get out of it. Like you and I were talking about, like one of the common toxic cycles is we don't, we don't get enough sleep. So because we don't get enough sleep, 
we eat sugary foods to help lift us up. We eat those energy bars. We drink coffee. We do all these things. And it becomes this vicious cycle that compounds. And over time, this golf ball size problem where it started at the beginning of just not getting enough sleep and addressing just that becomes this massive bowling ball. Because in response to that, you've created so many more problems along the way. And I, I from my understanding in your book, um, especially now with COVID-19 and, and, and it being at the front and center of everything, our immune systems need to be strong. And yep. I think what we've been doing over the, this last few years is the polar opposite of what needs to be done. We've been jamming more processed foods in our system. We've been drinking more alcohol, drinking more caffeine, not exercising, not drinking enough water. And as a result, it's no wonder that the the health of America continues to plummet. And I don't yeah. I, I don't I don't see it getting any better unless we take a proactive approach instead of this reactive approach to health that we've been taking for the last few decades. Yeah, just today, you probably saw in the news uh, that for the fourth year in a row, our life expectancy in the United States is declining. Uh, up until four years ago, life expectancy kept going up. And then it started going down and people say, ah, it's a blip, then second year. Now, four years in a row, this year, our life expectancy decreased a year. Uh, we lost a year of life expectancy. And I'm a baby boomer. And the sad statistic is, unless we change something, uh, my generation will be the longest living Americans that will ever exist. And everybody following us is going to die younger and younger and younger. And that's my mission is to stop that because I, I don't want to be the oldest living, you know, Americans. I, I want to be the oldest living American. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I want everybody else to catch up. And can I just say something uh, just to reiterate what you yeah. said as a heart surgeon, um, long hours doing baby heart transplants, not much sleep. And you're right. You keep yourself awake by eating sugary things. I probably cleaned uh, the vending machines out of Hostess cupcakes and ding dongs and, and a lot of coffee. We used to say it was black stuff that keeps you awake. And I, I gained 70 pounds over yeah. my baseline. And, you know, I was, and I was running 30 miles a week. I was going to the gym one hour a day and I was eating healthy, except, you know, when I was tired. And so when the light switch went on from Big Ed and I lost all the weight and I changed everything, but you're right, this is, this is considered normal. And it, it's normal because it turns out when you eat processed foods and lots of sugary foods, what our standard American diet, you actually create a population of what I call gang members, bad bugs. And yeah. like you said, these gang members actually send text messages to your brain and they take control of what you want to eat because they want sugars and saturated fats. They live on it. Uh, and the really cool thing, as we talk about in the energy paradox, is if you give the good guys what they want to eat, which is fibrous foods, uh, I call them gut buddies, they actually send the opposite messages to your brain and they actually crowd out the gang members. So you can take control of your life. And, you know, I have a lot of meat and potato guys who go, there's no way I'm ever going to eat a salad. Don't even try, doc. And two weeks later, they come back in the office and said, this is the most bizarre thing. 
I am craving a salad. And if I don't get a salad, I'm going to kill somebody. And he said, what's happened to me? And it's because they've, their gut microbiome has changed. Yeah, it's, it's so true. I mean, I, I just, in my own, my own experience, just from being the guy that just ate processed foods all the time, like a typical meal for me, like as a teenager was a cheesesteak and pizza or just having like a pint of ice cream at night or just pasta and pasta and pasta. And yeah, of course I started to gain weight, which you would think would be normal as a result of doing that. But indirectly what started happening, which I really didn't know this was all tied back to the way I ate was my mental health was suffering. It led to a massive uh, drug addiction that I ended up picking up um, because I wasn't feeling good about myself um, because I was dealing with, you know, some unprocessed pain and trauma in unhealthy ways. I was less productive. I was bouncing from job. To job. I mean, it all stemmed from me not taking care of my health. And then you hear the, you hear these stories time and time again, I'm just sharing my own experience. And I think a lot of it, like you say in your book goes, comes back obviously to, to inflammation. And instead of, instead of addressing the inflammation at the root, I think we're always looking for an excuse to push the blame off of us. Like we're saying, Oh, it's my thyroid. Oh, it's adrenal fatigue. And then these, these, uh, supplement companies are making a fortune off these adrenal supplements thinking that's yeah. going to actually fix it. And I've been the guy who's purchased it. And I'm like, this doesn't work. And so you really have to get to the root underlying cause of, of all of this. I mean, yeah, it, so it, if you want to speak on that, I mean, I'd love to get your insight on this because I think it's going to help a lot of people realize they have more power than they think. Because I think when you tell somebody that you have adrenal fatigue or you got a thyroid issue, they feel disempowered and they're like, Oh, well, it's never going to be fixed. I'm going to be on this medication the rest of my life. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Again, EarthEchoFoods.com forward slash Doug Bopes. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Well, um, we measure adrenal hormones in every one of our patients uh, when they come through the door and every three months. And I can tell you that 97% of my patients have normal cortisol levels. They don't have low cortisol. They don't have low epinephrine. They don't have low norepinephrine. And yet they have all these symptoms of, quote, adrenal fatigue. And what's, what I talk about in the energy paradox is that um, we used to think that when you were a diabetic, that your pancreas, which makes insulin, got tired out and stopped making insulin. And that's why you became a diabetic. And that was standard talk. We now know that 90% of all type two diabetics make too much insulin. They have insulin resistance. 
their pancreas isn't worn out. It's working overtime, pumping out insulin, but the cells don't listen to insulin like I talk in the book. So they're insulin resistant. So the effect of insulin isn't being felt. The same thing is happening with us who people think they have adrenal fatigue. I got news for you. Your adrenals work just fine. But what happens is we have adrenal corticosteroid resistance. We don't get the messages that these are sending because we've actually built up a resistance to these hormones. So when we fix people's leaky gut and stop the inflammation, just the adrenal fatigue goes away. It's the same way with thyroid. I take care of a large number of patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Kelly Clarkson's one of the most famous um, people who've tried my program and she had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And when she went on my program, her Hashimoto's went away. She came off of her medication. And so many of the times we make adequate thyroid hormones, but because of Roundup glyphosate that I write about, a lot of the effect of thyroid hormones are being blocked because of um, glyphosate in all of our food. So, and in fact, I just had Mark Hyman on my program and Mark, clean eating guy, organic. When he had his glyphosate levels, he was in the upper 50th percentile of people with glyphosate in their body. And he wow. goes, what the heck? You know, if that's me, imagine what, you know, the normal person's glyphosate levels are. Yeah. yeah. And I think glyphosate, if I remember correctly, is one of the, the seven deadly energy disruptors that Correct. people probably don't think about. There was some in there that, yeah, that's pretty obvious. I mean, not obvious to, to most, I would say, but to me, just from what I've learned through the years. So I want to really get into the weeds a little bit of what actually, is it the root cause of the fatigue in, in detail? So people can understand sure. like what, maybe what they're doing and, and then how to get out of it. But first I want to, cause I know this word is going to come up a fair amount in both what's causing it and how to get out as mitochondria. And I have to admit when I was reading about, I think you, you referred it to the mighty mouse uh, in the book. Mighty mouse. Reading, yeah, yeah. It brought me back to my days of like physio exercise, physiology and anatomy and the, you know, how ATP production and all that stuff with energy and it made so much sense that if you don't get to the very, like that's the root right there is mitochondria. It's where it all starts. Yeah. Yep. So, so if you could kind of give like in layman's terms, what mitochondria is for the listeners and then like how it, how it, what the role it plays in energy production for our system so they can get a better understanding of it. Sure. Not to get too much in the weeds. Yeah. Um, the mitochondria are these little organelles that are in most of our cells that are the energy producing organelles. Believe it or not, they are actually engulfed bacteria. They are, they carry their own DNA. They are bacteria that live inside of our cells. And in exchange for having a nice home, they uh, produce energy from the sugars we eat, the proteins we eat, and the fats we eat. And they produce energy, basically, I, I call it an energy freeway. And we have to move um, sugars, proteins, and fats basically down a highway. And at the end of the highway, we go through a revolving door and we make ATP. And ATP is the energy currency that we spend. And as mind-boggling as it is, our mitochondria, a normal person at rest, generates 140 pounds of ATP every day. And everybody goes, wait a minute, uh, I only weigh 140 pounds. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't gain 140 pounds today. But we spend that energy constantly. So 
like I talk about in the book, mitochondria are really good at using one fuel at a time. They're really good at burning glucose as a fuel. They're really good at burning proteins as a fuel. And they're really good at burning fatty acids as a fuel. But what's happened to us in our modern society, number one, we eat constantly. There have been studies from Sachin Panda at um, Salk Institute in San Diego. The average American now eats 16 hours a day. At, wow. Yeah, 16 hours a day. And the things we eat are processed and ultra-processed foods. So that back in the days when we ate whole foods, it took a while to break down all these starches into sugars. It took a long time to break down a piece of meat into amino acids. It even took a long time to break fats down to absorb them. But now we instantly absorb sugars, proteins, and fats simultaneously. And all of these guys arrive at our mitochondria for processing. And it's like rush hour traffic in LA or Baltimore. <laughs> right. And we know that everything, when everybody wants to get on the freeway, everything grinds to a halt. We try to put stop lights on entrance ramps and back things up a little bit. And so we've developed this rush hour traffic gridlock almost all day. And I use the example in the book, let's suppose you, you have a fast food meal for lunch. Um, you know, we, we won't mention any names. And then two o'clock in the afternoon, you're really dragging and people go, oh, that's because you ate inflammatory food. Well, no, inflammation doesn't happen that quick. But what you did is all of that ultra processed food slammed into your mitochondria and everything ground to a halt. So it's no wonder, you know, I, you know, I, I, I want to yeah. go to sleep. Uh, where's my, you know, triple espresso. Uh, I need an energy bar. That's what I need. And so what happens when an energy bar comes, which is ultra processed food, wham, just when rush hour was kind of clearing out, here comes the next rush hour. And we're doing that constantly. So, the fix in the book is we want less, less rush hour traffic and more time for traffic to move smoothly through our mitochondria. And the book teaches people in a really easy step-by-step -step fashion to slowly one day at a time, limit the period of time that they eat food during, during the day. And the more we can limit that, uh, the better you're going to be and the happier your mitochondria are. Yeah, I, I like how um, you take these scientific and medical terms in the book and kind of relate it back to uh, like this, these pictures, if you will. So people can get, kind of have a vision in their mind of what's actually happen, happening to help them relate a bit more. Like the whole traffic jam, it, it makes total sense right? We eat uh, a food that's highly or a meal that's highly processed. And then we crash and then we're like, we need to get back up. So then we, you know, maybe get a latte or we get an energy bar and it's just making that traffic jam even worse. Yeah. And it's this cycle that we get in. And I think you say something in the book, I think you said it a, several times was that we are overfed and underpowered, I believe, something like that, if I'm correct. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. We're, we're, we're not only overfed and underpowered, but we're overfed and undernourished. Mm. And that's another part of the book. Uh, the food we eat now is literally devoid of the vitamins and minerals that used to be around 100 years ago in our soil. And 
there's an interesting theory that I, I like, and there's a Senate document in, in the book from 1936 that says that our soil is so depleted of nutrients that we could continually eat and never get the nutrients that we need. And one of the theories is we keep eating to get magnesium and potassium, just to give you an example, which are essential for our cells to work and our mitochondria to work, but our soils are so depleted because of monoculture agriculture, big agriculture, that we never get that. And so we, we keep saying, oh, the next bite I know will get us there. And the next bite will get us there and it never comes. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the big problems. Yeah, and I think it's because we don't, we don't really look at what the the root cause of all of this you know no pun intended with your reference to the plants and the soil like we're just like all right like i'll take this pill or i'll drink this this drink or maybe i'll just lose a few pounds and then what happens is we're not actually looking at what's causing all of this because i think what you also talk about in the book it's not just our food it's our lack of sunlight exposure it's staring yep. at a screen yep. all day which during the pandemic it's all we did. It's it's all we and it's no wonder to be honest that suicide rates have gone up, uh, prescription medications have gone up, alcohol sales, all these things through because, the roof. Through the roof because people are more inflamed physically, mentally, and emotionally. They're tired. They're stressed. They're fatigued, and they're not putting on that oxygen mask. I think to protect themselves, which has been one of and I've seen you talk about it too. Has been. One of my biggest gripes during this whole thing as somebody who's passionate about mental health, fitness, all that, all that stuff is like COVID's COVID, no matter what you believe about it. I don't want to talk about that. I'm just saying like, where's been, where's the talks been about what you can control? Like, what can you do to, to boost your immune system? What can you do to be healthier? What can you do to reduce your stress, improve your energy? So that if there's, if the, this, the statistics are, if you have a weakened immune system, you're more likely to contract and die of COVID-19 from COVID-19 what can you do about it? And I, I really enjoyed reading part of your book where you talk about what you can do to put that oxygen mask on, to boost your immunity, to help your gut microbiome and to help you gain more energy over the long term. So talk a bit about what some of the few, like the few of the things that you think have really hit home with the audience and some steps they can take to start to swing the pendulum in the other direction. Well, a few things that people can do just right away is if you're not taking vitamin D3, start taking it today. Yeah. Uh, there's now 17 different studies showing that the higher your vitamin D level, the more protected you are from getting COVID. And if you get COVID, it's going to be a mild illness. And I can tell you so many stories of my own patient population where one of my patients uh, the husband or the wife didn't listen and the one did and they they caught COVID the people who were on my program it was like a little cold that lasted 48 hours two of their husbands died um, one of them spent 56 days in the ICU and five months wow. in the hospital so take vitamin D 5,000 international units a day that's 125 microgram number two you mentioned it please, please, please get sunlight exposure. Uh, exposure, particularly to early morning sunlight and late afternoon sunlight, those red and yellow hues actually activate so many feel-good hormones in us, it's scary. 
The third thing you alluded to is blue light is killing us. Blue light is the bright, intense spectrum of sunlight, but all of our devices, our computer screens, our cell phones, uh, our TV screens, most of the lighting, I don't have it in this room, thank goodness, but most of our lighting is blue light. And that blue light actually hits a receptor in our brains called the SCN. Blue light makes you hungry, makes you seek out food, and makes you stay awake to go find more food. And so it's no wonder that no, everyone's hungry and everybody wants to eat and nobody can sleep because usually the last thing that happens is we're staring at a TV screen or even our cell phone. Or if we're, we can't sleep, what do we do? We get up and you know read our cell phone. So there are wonderful um, blue light blocking glasses. Now I happen to have a pair that you can't tell there's actually any blue light blocking on them. They're cheap. Um, you can go on Amazon. I have details in the book of where to find them. I don't have any relationship with these companies. But as soon as you get home at night, put on blue blockers. You can clip them on glasses. It's really easy. And wear them until you go to bed. The other thing, please, 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 get yourself a couple of non-blue spectrum light bulbs in your bathroom or in your bedroom so that if you get up at night, if mom, if you are nursing mothers or dads who have to go get the baby, make sure in the baby's room, you've got a blue, a non-blue light and it'll make a huge difference in your sleep patterns, your hunger patterns. And it's an easy fix that all of us can do. It's just simple. It's funny that the simplest things that we can do can have the most profound benefits in our life. Like just as a, as a trainer, just to kind of relate this back to what you were saying, I just, I always tell my, my clients, I'm like, listen, if you could just sleep, sleep more, drink more water, eat more whole foods, move your body more and, um, and meditate, do those five things every single day, just for a little bit of time it'll pay dividends long-term versus trying to figure out what the next best thing is and bouncing around from program to program, trying to go all in, which is a good segue to one of the other things you talk about in your book is the importance of exercise. And I like the exercise snacking. I was reading through it. I was like, gosh, this is genius because it's something that I've tried to tell people when they're like, Hey, how do I get started from getting off from, I'm just sitting on the couch. I'm like, well, don't, don't try and work out for an hour. If you haven't exercised in 15 years, just go for a walk for 10 minutes. And you talk about like having these snacks throughout the day. So talk a bit about like why, why you put that in the book. Like, was there something you found with your patients or something in your own experience and how it can benefit people that aren't in a, in a routine right now? Yeah. I mean, that's very true. My, my, my wife was a superb marathoner. She ran the hundredth running of the Boston marathon, just to give an example. And so uh, she really wanted me to become a runner. And, you know, I, I would go out and try to run a mile and I'd get shin splints and I was huffing and puffing. It was a miserable experience. And so for me, you know, to go out and run a 5k or a 10k with no background, I'd fall flat on my face and it would be miserable. And I go, eh, it's not for me. <laughs> so one of the things with my patients, so many of my patients are really tired. They're really fatigued. They have joint aches and to say, okay, I want you to go to the gym and work out for 30 minutes. That's not going to happen. Um, right. But what's really cool from the research is that you can do exercise snacks as little as one minute walking up and down the stairs uh, actually 
is the same benefit as 10 minutes of walking or strenuous exercise. Uh, just doing a plank or a modified plank while you're staring at your cell phone or while you're watching TV is gonna give you huge benefits and it's only gonna take a minute. If you wanna just do a jumping jack for a minute while watching TV, the benefit is twofold. Number one, when you move your muscles, your muscles make these really cool hormones that are called myokines. And myokines actually tell your brain to build brain cells, and who doesn't want that? But it also tells your brain you're not hungry. So I call these exercise snacks because so many times we start snacking because we're either tired or we're bored to tears. And it's actually a signal from your body that no, 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 you should be moving. So anytime anybody reaches for an exercise bar, do an exercise snack for even a couple of minutes and it'll be a huge difference. I study cultures all over the world and one of the unique things that so many healthy cultures do is they take a walk for 10 minutes after a meal. And I wrote about this in my first book and it's amazing. If you look at, if you look at people who walk 10 minutes before a meal and then eat or walk 10 minutes after they eat, the people who walk after the meal actually lose weight and the people who walk before the meal have no benefit. So what an easy thing to do. Take, you know, and like I write in all my books, please, please, please get a dog. Yeah. Um, dogs make you go for a walk at least twice a day, whether you want to or not. Yeah, as we're recording uh, today, it's like, it was like sleeting in Baltimore this morning when I was walking my dog. So yeah, they, they definitely force you to kind of get out and walk. And I think what happens though is not only is it going to help you gain more energy, I think, especially during a time where people are struggling with their mental health and stress, it's an easy way to divert some of that negative energy into something positive and to start to get the ball rolling and taking care of yourself. And what typically happens is when you, you go on that 10 minute walk or you do that minute plank, you feel great afterwards. You feel, and I think there's this huge, um, like you feel great afterwards. And I think there's this huge misconception that everybody who exercises or moves their body loves doing it. And I think it couldn't be further from the truth. What people love is how they feel when they're done because Correct. they can check something. They can check the box and say, I took care of myself today. I did something that's going to help me for my future. I'm going to feel a lot better about my health, that sort of thing. And then it, it helps you stack other healthy habits because now you're like, wow, I, I, I feel good doing this and improving this part of my health. I'm going to change this. I'm going to do that. Or maybe I didn't think I could ever uh, incorporate, um, you know, running into my day or changing what I'm eating. Let me try fasting. And I want to segue into that because I think it's an important topic right now because there's a lot of talk about fasting. And I think people are very intimidated by the word because they think it's, it's all or nothing. They think I have to do a 24 hour fast or do a water fast. Yeah. It's deprivation. Yeah. And instead of what you can gain. And I, I like how you talked about the different approaches. I liked how you talked about eating like the, the single nutrient diet and how it can have the same effect, I believe is doing a water fast. Yeah. And then you, you also had this, this building block approach of fasting which I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of. So talk a bit about fasting, your findings, what it says in the book and how people can start to implement it into their daily lives today. Yeah, I was actually, as far as I know, I'm the first author who actually wrote about 
uh, intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating uh, back in 2005, long before the 5-2 diet, long before my good friend Jason Fung wrote about fasting. And it was in my first book, anybody wants to go look. And my editor thought I was absolutely nuts. She said, this is crazy. Uh, no, you know, nobody's going to do this. And I was actually doing the eat one meal a day. I've been during the winter, I eat one meal a day for the last 20 years and it works. Uh, but I don't want people to go out there and eat one meal a day. Number one, you will fall flat on your faces. And that's one of the reasons why fasting is so intimidating. But let me give you just a really quick, really important study that I think it brings it all home. Mm. Uh, they took a bunch of Italian athletes and they divided them into two groups. Uh, they gave everybody the exact same food to eat, uh, the exact same calories, but they changed the time period in which these athletes had to eat these meals. So one group ate breakfast at eight o'clock in the morning, they ate lunch at one o'clock in the afternoon, and they had to finish dinner by uh, eight o'clock at night. So it was a 12 hour eating window. Now remember the average American eats 16 hours a day. The other group, same food, had to eat breakfast, break fast, as I call it, at one o'clock in the afternoon. They had lunch at four o'clock in the afternoon. They had to finish dinner by eight o'clock at night. Same amount of calories, same food, compressed to about a six to seven hour eating window. What happened between the two groups is startling. Both of them kept their muscle mass. Nobody lost muscle mass. The Athletes who only ate for six hours, same amount of calories, lost weight. They lost body fat. And one of the best markers for successful aging called insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1, went down in these athletes. The other athletes stayed the same weight and their insulin-like growth factor stayed the same. So if you wanted a miracle cure for what ails you and it turns out as I go into the book, this is because you actually take care of your mitochondria and your mitochondria get better and they make more energy for you. So just simply slowly compacting the time you eat during the day and six hours may be the magic window. Uh, if you wanna join me in one meal a day, um, uh, we call it the EOMAD diet, um, eat one meal a day. Some people call it the OMAD diet. But if you try that early on, you will go mad, as I say. <laughs> so what I do in the book is it's a six-week program where if you, let's say you eat breakfast at seven o'clock every morning, what I ask you to do on Monday morning is, okay, let's start breakfast at eight o'clock. Everybody can do that. Next day, we're going to start breakfast at nine o'clock and so on during the week. And then we take the weekend off. I mean, what kind of great diet is that? Uh, weekends are free. The next week, we start an hour later. So we'll start breakfast on Monday at nine o'clock. By the end of six weeks, everybody gets to where they eat breakfast at noon and you don't even notice it. But if I tried to tell you, okay, tomorrow and for the rest of your life, you're going to break fast at noon. I can tell you from my research and others that 80% of people would fall flat on their face because we're all metabolically inflexible. And that's the other part of the book. Yeah. And what I think at the end of the day, um, the goal that people needed to, to or the, the notion that people need to take away from all this is to, to clear the, the highway, if you will, 
and fuel exactly right. fuel yourself like you're fueling a Tesla or any kind of high powered car and eat less. But when you eat, make sure you're eating foods that are going to improve your metabolic function. They're going to improve your immune system, right? I mean, cause you have a certain, there's a certain protocol that's based off of the plant paradox book that yeah. helps people kind of get better from a metabolic perspective too. Right. Oh yeah. The other part of the book is what is so exciting is we, everybody's heard of probiotics, you know, friendly bacteria, like in yogurt. A lot of people are hearing about prebiotics, which yep. are fibers that the friendly bacteria eat. But what's exciting about this book, for the first time, we go into depth about postbiotics. And postbiotics are these fats and, believe it or not, gases that are made by friendly bacteria that literally turbocharge mitochondria. And it's an amazing communication system from our gut that is a language that talks to our mitochondria. And so postbiotics, uh, one discovery won the Nobel Prize for medicine, uh, nitric oxide, just as an example. But things like, um, like hydrogen gas, it turns out is incredibly important to power mitochondria. Uh, things like hydrogen sulfide, the rotten egg smell when you fart, is actually turning on mitochondrial function. So. Wow. Postbiotics turbocharge mitochondria. So why wouldn't you want to turbocharge them? Yeah. I mean, I think when I was reading about the whole postbiotic, I, I was, I kind of heard about it a little bit, but not, not in that depth. Cause of course we hear about prebiotics. We hear about prebiotic fiber. We hear about probiotics. We hear, but we don't hear about, you know, postbiotics. And then we were, I was reading about gas and how, you know, so many people, when they, they hear about people farting, you know, if you won't having gas, it's like a huge, um, like a turnoff to mo obviously to most people because of the smell, but you actually say in the book and you go into pretty good detail into it as to why it's actually like actually good for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I tell people to step on the gas. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it turns out, let me just give you a, a real quick example. Um, one of these gases is hydrogen gas. Um, and, in Japan, most of the research in postbiotics has been done in Korea and Japan. And in Japan, they found that people with Parkinson's disease, and as most people know, we have an epidemic of Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease and dementia. People with Parkinson's disease, when they looked at their gut microbiome, they found that their gut microbiome didn't produce hydrogen gas. Compared to people who didn't have Parkinson's disease, their microbiome made hydrogen gas. So they said, huh, let's give these Parkinson's patients uh, hydrogen water. And that's simply water that we dissolve hydrogen in. I actually make a hydrogen gas pill, but that's not important. So they gave them hydrogen water every day and their Parkinson's disease got better because they had replaced what was missing from their gut microbiome. So if just hydrogen gas can change how mitochondria work, wow, step on the gas for all, you know, it's actually really good for you. And believe it or not, there are some cultures where uh, farting at the table is a sign of respect for the chef. <laughs> That's funny. So I, I kind of want to recap what we went into because I think we covered a lot of ground. So I'd like to kind of start from the beginning and I just, if, if I get anything wrong, feel free to feel free to, to correct, correct me. You. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think we definitely get into this notion and the, this, these myths that 
fatigue is just something we have to get used to that when we're feeling tired and lack of energy, it's just because there's something wrong with our thyroid or adrenals, or it's just the way of life. And that's not the case. The, the, the cause of all of this comes back to inflammation, not taking care of our immune system, not taking care of our mitochondria, our gut health, and that our current diet of what most people eat is actually destroying our ability to produce uh, energy in a sustainable way. Then I think you also went into the multitude of things that can damage uh, our energy right off the bat. Things like processed foods, um, glyphos glyphosate, glyphosate, yeah, glyphosate yep. Uh, blue light, lack of sunlight, um, not getting exercise, all these things. Not all yep. these things, but there's a few more you talk about in the book. Correct. And then you, we, we went into different ways on how to actually uh, feed our energy systems in the proper way. We talked about different things we can eat, like, like eating more nutritious foods, obviously, moving our body, uh, wearing blue light glasses, taking vitamin D, and, um, and kind of shutting down our digital screens at night, if you will. Then we went yeah. into changing when we eat and not just completely jamming our digestive system with food all day long, especially obviously, as we've mentioned a few times, processed food and giving our bodies uh, a break metabolically when it comes to how we eat and clearing up the pathway and experimenting with, with different fasting protocols. And then we touched on and got into the importance of postbiotics in gas for our system and helping to heal and repair us and paying attention to what we eat uh, with, with that. Um, did I cover it? Did I, did I get anything wrong? Yeah, that's pretty good. No, I, I think the, the message, the take home message really is uh, people should know that fatigue is not their fate. It's not normal and it's fixable. If we you know, realize where that fatigue is coming from. And maybe to conclude with Hippocrates, uh, Hippocrates felt that all of us had a green life force energy, which sounds very Californian, uh, that wanted perfect health for, for any animal. And he believed that there were external forces that were preventing that green life force energy from expressing itself. And he believed a physician's job was to find those external forces and to remove them or teach the patient how to remove them. And then the green life force energy would take care of itself. And I gotta tell you, over the last 21 years, this is actually what I've seen. And all I am is a detective. And I find these things like we talk about today and teach people how to remove them. And that, Green life force energy, as goofy as it sounds, works. It, you come back and people go, holy cow, you know, I forgot what normal felt like. And so it's not our fate. Yeah, it's not our fate. And, we, and it's up to us to, to kind of do the research and put in the work and create a new normal for ourselves so that over time it can get better. And I'm, I'm guessing that this isn't an easy fix. It's not as simple as just changing something in a day. It's going to take time. I think that's why you have it broken down in a six week and a six week process to help people rebuild themselves in a way that's going to be sustainable long-term so that they're not right. forced to give up quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
plus of diets fail. Right. And it is not a sustainable program. And so what I do is, you know, I, I hold your hand. We're going to go step by step. Uh, it's like in training. If you want me to bench press 400 pounds, if you give me 400 pounds, I'll break my neck. Um, trying. But right. if you gradually increase my muscle mass and give me a workable load, I can bench press 400 pounds, but not, you know, not, not tomorrow. Uh, and that, that's what people try to do, particularly even with fasting. Oh, I'm going to water fast for three days. Please don't do that, folks. Yeah. And, uh, just it's, it's a really dumb idea. And we go into that in the book. Yeah. And I think it's because it's a cool thing to do. People see things on social media. They see other people doing it. And they don't realize that a lot of people that, that are doing that didn't start there. They started with the basic things. And it's just like anything else in life. We're always comparing our chapter one to yeah. someone else's chapter 20, no matter what journey we're working on. So Dr. G, I wanted to, to really thank you for taking the time to come on. Um, I think people are going to get a lot out of this book. Just it's, it's the timing couldn't have been better with, with everything going on with the pandemic and people being isolated and having some time now to actually take a deep dive into their health and where all this stuff comes from and to be able to understand why they're feeling more anxious, why they're feeling more depressed, tired, lack of energy and everything else that comes with this chronic fatigue that you talk about. So obviously the energy paradox is going to be available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everything else books are sold. Anything else that you want to kind of promote as we finish up? No, I mean, I have my own podcast, the Dr. Gendry podcast. Uh, I've, I'm on Instagram. I got two YouTube channels. We got lots of recipes that people can access. Uh, I, I do my utmost to, to hold your hand through all of this because uh, you're right. You got this is if you do it slowly, step by step, it's attainable. But if you just jump off the cliff, uh, it's not going to work. So we'll, we'll take we'll walk you down the stairs easy. Yeah, we, we all need that that teacher to kind of help hold our hand and walk us down a path that we're not familiar with. And it helps. It helps because sometimes success leaves clues. Right. And I think a lot of times there's been, there's so many people that have gone along the journey and done a lot of the work and the research. And when you can have somebody to kind of hold your hand and, and short circuit that, if you will, it not only will save you time, but energy, money, and in turn, you'll feel happier, I believe, much quicker, much quicker. So uh, Dr. Gundry, I thank you once again. And for those listening, please go out and buy his book, you know, get the energy paradox, buy plant paradox, listen to his podcast. He brings out, he brings on some of the most amazing guests, has some really heartfelt conversations to help change the trajectory of health for humanity. And he, you can follow him on Instagram at Dr. Stephen Gundry. And what I want you to do, just like I recommend with all the, the episodes, is if you're listening to this and something really hit home with you, and maybe there's a tactic he shared or a part of his book that you're like, wow, this really spoke to me, take a screenshot of the episode, tag him, tag myself with your biggest takeaway, because we would love to hear your feedback. Maybe share something that you're going to change tomorrow. Maybe it is, maybe eating an hour later. Maybe it's, you know, cutting out one of those processed meals you're eating or moving your body, the exercise snacking that he talked about, because we want, we want the podcast to help you. So take that screenshot, share your takeaways because we'd love to hear back from you. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we'll see you next time.